All right, we're doing this series, um, and it's, we're, we're talking about getting to know God better. And I just want to start you with this question, and then I'm going to review a couple of things I think are uh, probably important to review. But let me just start with this question. What if, what if God is bigger than you ever imagined? Is that possible? What if God is better, better than you ever imagined? One of the things that we've talked about during the series is, you know, the, the, in the commandments, one of them is don't make an idol. Don't make an idol. And of course, in modern day America, most people I know don't go around with a hammer and a chisel and carve idols. But almost every Sunday morning we make idols. And pastors and priests and rabbis reinforce these idols. They're mental carvings in our heads. This is what God is like. And we sort of think of it like, you know, God is in a box, right? And so if you can think of God in this box... What I want to talk to you about is what if God is just here? Or here and here? What if He's outside of your box? What if God is bigger? Now, of course, we would have to say things like, you know, no mind can conceive, right? Isn't the Scripture? And God's ways are higher than our ways. And yet, it seems like we revert back to the box. And I want to talk about that and why it's important. Because the reality is, we all kind of sort of need a box. A box is our starting place. A box makes us secure. So when we're having a conversation with somebody and the word God comes up, we revert to something that we know, that we grew up with, that gave us a place to start, a place to stand. And there is nothing wrong with that. So what we've been talking about is you start as a what? Does anybody remember this? A sponge. Right? There's a reason they call him SpongeBob. That was just for fun for whoever wanted to take that on. And then we, this is about how we grow in our knowledge, how we, how we adapt spiritually, all right? Literal. Then we become literal. Remember this? So you start, you just soak everything in. The reason that um, if you grow up in some particular country and everybody is Muslim, if you're nine months old, you are what? You're soaking up. That's what you are. You're a sponge. Does this make sense to anybody? The other day, Charlie told me something. Charlie said, Dad, I want to learn English. (laughs) No, she really didn't say that. She's just what? Learning it. 
she's gonna her worldview is gonna be from an English language perspective and and I I even think I should teach some other language but the reality is I don't know any other languages <laughs> so she's just gonna use English words and so this little round thing to her is a ball does this make sense you're just a sponge and that's all you can do that's how you start that's good that's normal that's healthy and then you move to a stage called literal all right and this is where you know when you see things and hear and I'm trying again I've warned I've warned so much during this series if you have little ones here I'm not trying to ruin anyone's worldview have I give you that warning fair enough okay I, I, I give you an example. When I was a kid, I went to my grandma's church, and the, the pastor got up there, and during the offering time, he talked about, he went on and on about giving, giving money to God, right? Um, I didn't come from, well, other church, like grandma's church wasn't a church is free type of a church. Is anybody with me? It was like, but you were giving it to God, and I was a little, 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 little boy, and I just, I just kept trying to picture did they put it in a bowl? I literally pictured God somehow descent. Does anybody with me? Because I thought, how? Literal. And that's healthy. I guess that's normal. You, you wouldn't spank me. For, it's just that's cute. It's how you think at a certain age. And then we move into, uh, I, I call a stage formal. Or you could call this institutional. Institutional. And this is where, you know, it's like, you're busy, I'm busy, we have things to do in life, I can't rethink my whole paradigm of everything. Um, how many, you know what I'm talking about, like, I don't want another password. Does anybody here not want another password? I, you get tired of getting new things, learning new things and all that. So you just settle into the structure of, this is what our team believes. And you have things to do. You got to go make money. You got to get health insurance. You got to fix a flat tire. You got to change diapers. And so you don't have time to rethink. But then something happens and you move to a sca stage we call what? Skeptical. Skeptical. Where something you encounter in life, something you encounter in life doesn't jive with the way you grew up understanding God. Has anyone had this happen to you? You went to a class at college, you're, you, you experienced some kind of loss or suffering in your life. There's some event in your life where all of this just, now, wait a minute, i got to rethink this. Unfortunately, listen, unfortunately, Way too many churches in America don't help you through this stage. The minute you start asking difficult questions, the minute it doesn't all line up with the, the, the company policy, um, I, always, I always say this at funerals, or oftentimes I find myself saying this at funerals, I'm not here giving you the company line. Because people just, it's the same thing. No, no, just stick with that. Just stick with that. But things happen. And so here, why, one of the reasons I'm doing this series is because, because of that, a whole generation, just look around you, a whole generation is walking away 
throwing out the baby and the bathwater because of some question that they had, something that didn't make sense. And instead of the church going, oh, we need to wrestle with that. We need to talk about that. With me? We just go, uh, you're making us uncomfortable. You need to go find somewhere else to discuss that. This has very clearly been decided. And we've been so certain and so clear about so many things over the centuries and the, and the millennia. We were certain, we were certain, right, that the sun went around the earth. We were certain. Guys came in in front of the church leader, the pope, and they had to give a defense of why they think these crazy ideas. Because from the natural eye and from the scripture, this is what it says. But what we had to do is we had to give way eventually. So here's what I'm trying to say. We need to acknowledge that this is a very normal and a very healthy part of life. The skeptical phase where you have questions. And we need to allow people to go through this stage so that they can reach this stage. Paradox. Paradox. Let's say it together. One, two, three. Paradox. Now, paradox is like, well, this, but this, but they don't seem to make sense together. That's what a paradox is. And what I want to talk to you today about is the God of paradox. Paradox. And what you will start to see, we could put other, we could put other words here. I could put spiritual. I could put mystery. Um, but I'm going to stay paradox today because I'm going to use this little phrase with you. Maybe to get God out of the box, you need to think of a what? Paradox. Less box, more paradox. Ready? Less box, more paradox. What are you talking about, Chris? You remember the story of Jacob? He is traveling and he lays down for a nap and he has an appearance of God and there's a, there's a ladder or a stairway going from heaven. Again, if you're literal, okay, you know, <laughs> wood, I don't know. But there's a stairway connecting heaven and earth. And when he wakes up, this is what he says, um, when he woke up, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not, what's the word? Aware. I think they're going to put it up there or maybe they aren't. I was not aware of it. I was not aware of it. God was here, but I didn't know it. I want you to think about this. He's traveling. He has this encounter, this experience, and he, and he had to come to it a moment of awakening where he realized God was here, but he didn't know it. Now look here. Could God be somewhere and you never knew it? Most of us, our boxes are like churches. I'll tell you one of the biggest boxes today, the Bible. Like God can't get outside the Bible, right? God can't get outside the four walls of the church. God can't get outside um, what my pastor said. But boy, any of those would make God small. What if, ready? God is, I know, it's unthinkable. 
on your commute on 696. <laughs> right there. See, God was here, but you weren't aware of it. Now let's be, let's be honest. There are some places that we are not very aware of God. And 696 is one of them. Is, is this true? You're driving on, this, oh, I just feel God's peace here. This is just amazing. Is this true? So what, what he was doing, this is important, he was figuring out to, to, to learn that he was connected. There was a connection here. But he just wasn't aware of it. So the key is not could God be here, but are we aware? Are we aware? Could God be there when you're changing dirty diapers? Is that possible? Well, I, I always was taught, Chris, that you had to come into the house of God, right? Which is unfortunate language. I get it. I mean, I think one of the advantages, if church does anything, I hope it does something, is that it, it kind of gets us to think. It gets us to pause. It gets us to reflect. And if some of you put your phones down, it, you'll actually get something differently here. Does that make sense? But, but what, what would be even better is if I can learn, like Jacob, whoa, God was here. I just didn't know it. There are a few places that I go in life that I don't want to be there long. The dentist, anybody with me? You know, the auto mechanic, is anybody with me? Like, let's, let's get these. So I literally just try, just try to think, I got to get in here and I got to get what? Out. For some of you, church. Uh, <laughs> but there are places that, you, this is what I want you to think of. What if God is in those places? The places that you, ready, least expect them to be. Now, what happens is, what happens is, here, we've given people, right here, a false choice. When they get here, we say, you believe in the God of this box, or you don't believe. And so, people have entered what I've been calling soft atheism. They aren't militant. They don't hate you for going to church. They think it's nice, gives you something to do, you know, and you seem to be happier when you get home. They don't walk around handing out pamphlets. They aren't starting atheist websites. But God is just in the background. And so what I want to do for the soft atheist this morning is just pull it forward a little bit and say, well, Again, I think that we've given you a false choice. I've acknowledged that, but it, let's probe this atheist path for a minute. First thing you have to know about the pure, pure, pure atheist, if you go that route, is there are no values. Just think for a minute. There, there, there are no values. You, you, there really isn't a you, but what you think of as you you're, you're just a bunch of molecules that well knit together. There isn't a you there. Uh, I mean, a real honest atheist, uh, you know, that's why I say not soft, but an honest atheist like Christopher Hitchens, when his, they were working on his body, he was dying. They, they kept saying, well, your body. He goes, quit saying your body. That's all I am is body. There is no me. 
Do you understand how the essence of God is woven so deeply into everything that we are? Of course. The other day we were on the airplane, and I was listening to the instructions, and mindlessly, as everyone does, but it struck me this phrase, um, in case of an emergency, you know, leave your belongings, your value, whatever they said behind. Anybody remember this phrase? You can leave them behind. And I, I thought right away, well, I'm definitely getting Charlie. <laughs> right? But this is really important. If you're a pure atheist, there's no distinction between Charlie and your carry-on bag. They're all just molecules. There's no spirit. There's no soul. But isn't it funny that every person, atheist or not, I would be prosecuted if I didn't grab Charlie? And it could be an atheist that prosecutes me? Just think. In other words, what I'm saying is, this is we've led people to a false choice, a choice that they didn't need to make. Instead of opening the box and saying, God could be bigger than the box you knew. What if God is more paradox? Anybody here ever heard of a guy named Dietrich Bonhoeffer? A guy named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was born, I think, in 1906. Um, number six of eight children. When he was around 13 years old, he said to his family, his dad was a psychiatrist. Um, they were very well off. I mean, he, they weren't super religious in his family. Um, Born in Prussia, um, part of the, the, the German um, Empire. Is that, is that the memo right there? So he, he's he growing at 13. He says, I want to be a theologian. And his family's like, what? He's like, hey, you know, that's not really the best. He goes, no, I want to be a theologian. And from that point on, he pursued his dream. And um, as he became a young man, a guy named Adolf Hitler came into power. Now, because he was wealthy, he went, he went and had a stint in Barcelona. He went to the United States and was studied in, uh, in New York. And then he traveled to Mexico. He went to all kinds of places. His family was very well off. But he decided when things got difficult in Germany that he wanted to come back to Germany. And in Germany, the Lutheran Church started to embrace this new leader, Adolf Hitler. There are some churches where they had actual banners, you know, that Christ has sent Adolf Hitler. Right? So first, first thing, ready? Look. They, had, they have crosses on the building. Everybody look. Can you have a cross on your building and be wrong? Can you? Is it even possible remotely? No, stay with me. Yes or no? It's possible. It's possible. I've been lying the whole time I've been up here. It's po everything's possible. What we can't do, see what the formal institutional does, is like once you put a symbol or a sign or you use a word or some language or you get a robe, then you have to follow everything. But of course, this young man um, wouldn't go along. And he started a movement and he became a, a leader of what was later known the Confessing Church. And later on in life, 
he's locked up for his um, for being complicit in an assassination plot on Hitler. Now, ready? Stay with me. He's a pacifist. What's a pacifist? No violence, right? But he's complicit in an assassination plot on Hitler. What do you call that? There's two things you could call it. A hypocrite, if you're judgmental and need to be right. Or you could call it a what? Paradox. Paradox. I don't know. I'm, I'm a pacifist. I mean, I know in my heart I'm a pacifist and I don't believe in these things. This is what I feel in my heart. But I think this guy's got to go. It's called a what? I'm not saying he's right or he's wrong. I'm just saying there are, it's filled with these. By the way, he went on to do some of the most amazing writings that are still read in churches today. But I don't know if you know this or not. I spent better part of yesterday, pouring through his letters from prison, the last um, months of his life. He was in prison about two years. It was really sad. You would read the letters where he would say, in the beginning, he would talk to his family about, I think I'm going to be home soon, and I hope to be there, you know. And then another month would go by, and he's like, do you think you could find a lawyer? Do you think you could drop by some more coffee beans? And months would go by, and the months would go by. They took him and hanged him. Ready? Three weeks before Hitler killed himself. Three weeks. At the end, this is what he started to write. And I'm, I'm going to paraphrase, but you can go read his letters from prison. Maybe God doesn't fit in this box. Maybe God doesn't fit in this box. Now, wait a minute. What did I say about when you get here? Something here happens in your life. If you grow up in a wealthy family and your dad's a psychiatrist and you can travel the world and go study God theoretically at all these Bible colleges and institutions, you just answer all the questions. You check all the boxes. But if you're sitting in a prison... For standing up to a dictator who was the who manifested probably more evil than anyone up to that time on planet Earth, and you're in prison for it, and you're praying and doing your things and reading scripture all day long, and God's not getting you out. Do you do you at least give the guy permission to look outside the box? Hello? In other words, the God he knew didn't fit there anymore. And so some of his best writings were his last. Most people don't know this because his most popular ones were written earlier. And he says, I don't think I could write those today. It's called growing up. The way he understood God then, it served him, it worked for him. But then something happened in his life. What we need, really, for this generation is we need to let them move. Now I want to do, uh, I want to show you one more thing that might or it might not help. All right? Here we go. All right? Order. That's how we start our life, with order. Who likes order in your house? 
Huh? Who likes chaos? <laughs> yeah, order. This thing goes here. You know, what is God like? You check all the boxes. You go to Sunday school. You know, I went to Bible school myself. And I mean, man, in the first semester, they tell you everything God's like. Check, 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 check. It's amazing. They got God nailed in 13 weeks. <laughs> and one two-hour exam. <clears throat> Theo, we call it Theo 101. Got it. You don't have time for what about this, what about that, what about this. So this is all order, and order is good. And psychiatrists and psychologists will tell you that it's better to start a child out with order than with disorder. It's better to start out with structure. It's better to start out with clear boundaries, clear right, and clear wrong. You cannot say to Charlie, do as you feel. Come here, don't go here, stop here, this is wrong, this is right, they're clear. So order. But what happens after order is a season of, ready, disorder. This is when you're in prison for standing up against the most dominant evil in the world in the name of God. And you're waiting for God to rescue you, to get you out. I dare you just to even read his letters for the sense of he's, he's, this is one of the things he wrote. He goes, he writes to mom and dad, he goes, I'm learning to be grateful. Not realizing how fortunate I am, how much I receive in life. Are you you with me on this? When you're locked into a prison, all of a sudden you're box starts to... Anybody ever had a, a cardboard box that had been sitting in the water too long? That's what it does. And so you go through this, and this is difficult. This is not like an easy thing, but you get back to order. Mystery. Paradox. You start to accept things. This is really big. You start to accept that I'm not going to understand and master everything. Ah, ready? This is an order I call peace. I'm not going to... Ex- that's, so, that's a bummer for some of you who thought you were going to know everything about everything. I'm not going to know. I'm not going to understand. I'm not going to master God. God's going to master me. I'm not going to master everything in the universe. And here, there's this confident, quiet, I'll call humility. Um, so it was Valentine's Day this week. I got Vicky a nice Valentine's Day card. And I was getting ready to sign it. And um, I did sign it. Um, and I won't tell you what I put on there, but to me, I mean, I don't know how you do your Valentine's Day. But I, to me, I can't write Chris at the bottom. Because it just seems too formal. And I don't fault you if you do, whatever, but just just doesn't seem like Chris was the right thing to write. So I had to write me. And guess what? I was wrestling with it. It was either going to be me or nothing. In other words, nothing because she would know who it's from. Are, are you with me? She went, I wonder who in the heck that wrote. <laughs> well, I, well, I hope. Well, I say. Is anybody with me? 
say, Chris, did you really think? I did. I thought about it for a long time. I'm like, I really didn't want to write anything because I know she knows it's from me. And I end up putting me. Why are you telling us this? The, for an, a very important reason. We've, we've missed God on the semantics and the literal. God doesn't have to sign his name to everything. Does he? Or can you just know? When the relationship moves here, it becomes... Are you with me? Now, when you're at this first stage here, I mean, you need God's signature on everything, and you need a Bible verse for everything, and you need a pastor to sign off on it. You need all of that. And that's okay. Are you with me? That's okay. But when you get down here, it's intimate. It's here. Uh, Paul wrote this. Uh, that's right. Don't, don't do that verse because I want to just cut the back of it off. But we'll do it next, next service. But I'll just tell you what it says. That God may be the all in all. Just think about that. 1 Corinthians 15, 28. That God may be the all in all. Now if that doesn't just shake your box a little bit, I don't really know. Because that's a lot of all. Hugo, do you mind? Can you come up here? I didn't ask you, but could you, could you come up here? Okay. Hulga's going gonna to explain a word to you that's German because she's German. We, we clap for Hulga like she, a solicited volunteer. And this is, this is, all right, this is how we're going to close. Hulga told me what this word means. Now, Hulga, what is this? Wait a minute. Can you hear her? Okay. Hulga? Yes. What is this word? Grenzbegriff. <laughs> Why did you laugh at me? It was bad? No, 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 it was good. It was okay. No, it wasn't good. Okay. One more time. What is it called? What does that mean, Helga? If I translated word for word, Grenze means border. Grenze means border. Okay. And Begriff is uh, an explanation, a word. Um, and Grenzbegriff, the, the English language, the word itself, not just literally translated, means it's a meaning that doesn't fit inside a border. A so meaning just, that doesn't fit inside a border. So it's it's uh, an explanation that cannot really be a hundred percent explained, and it just doesn't quite fit. It might be just outside the border. So you gotta. You gotta think about it. I'm gonna let her take this one home. I'm gonna let her land this plane for me. Are you, did you hear that? Did you get it? Huh? 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 What if, what if God is Grensbegreff? Or however you say it. He's perfect. Good enough? Got? Do I say got? Got, yeah. Got? Grensbegreff. One, two, three. Ready? Got. Don't be so tight. Half of you are German anyway. You just don't know how to speak it. One more time. One, two, three. God is Grenzbegriff. What if God's beyond... Thank you, Holga. What if God's just... Now you know. Ready? Uh, here's how I'm going to end the series. With us, for us, and in us. But, but before I get to those, God with us, God for us, and in us. Before I get there, you know Jesus was Grensby Greff. 
You know, he was always playing outside the lines. If you've read anything. Right? The Pharisees, big on the borders. Are you with me? It's a Pharisee. But Christ seemed to operate here. When it was the loving thing to do, he just, well, you do that. Right? That love would trump whatever else was going on. And so, if this is what I'm saying. This is so huge. One, it would be so life-giving for us if we could embrace this. And two, we could call back a whole generation that's walked away for nothing. He said, you can play outside here. That's okay. Think of the double win. And we're going to share the Lord's Supper here together. And this is, this, is what I, this is what I want you to remember. This is, please remember this. When, when Jesus gives us this, he's take, this is so huge. He's taking something old, right? Their Passover tradition, his Passover tradition, his thing. And he's, taking the, he's just going outside the border with it. I'm going to give this a new meaning. You, do you get how he does that? It's genius. It's beautiful. He keeps what's old and he adds something new. And so if you need the structure and the order, it's okay. You don't have to throw all this away. This is good. But you've got to add the new. So he says, a new commandment, a new covenant I give to you.